0: Welcome to episode number 86, Returning to Normal. I am your host, Damon Soka. First of all, I apologize for being late with this episode today. And second, as always, if you find value in this podcast or any of the others, please pass them along. Now to our topic for today. This last week, I was contacted by a wonderful sister, a mother who has been experiencing some difficulties with returning to church activity due to the changes brought about by the pandemic. While her particular concerns about returning had to do partially with the current COVID illness and some serious general anxiety, as I read her email, my heart felt deeply for her and the difficulty associated with returning to to the life we left over a year ago, and additionally returning to the church. Now She had several other concerns that surrounded her difficulties, which I believe are far too common within the membership and leadership of the church and unfortunately, which caused more pain and tears. While I believe that every story is unique, I believe that many of the principles of her story were important to share to a wider audience, and I have asked her permission to do so, without using her name, of course. There are two parts to her story. The first concern that I believe is ubiquitous throughout the church and the world is that we are returning to normal in our society, whatever that means, I have normal in quotes. And for many, the look and feel has changed, and for some, dramatically. There are still so many unknowns, and the current climate of politics and the drama-thirsty media frenzy has really only amplified those concerns and turned people inward, seeking their own interests, rather than the good of others. We've created COVID habits that will now be difficult to undo for many of us with mental illness. We will begin to shake hands again, although I personally have decided that I like the fist bump better. We will be re-establishing relationships in person rather than phone or social media. We will eventually walk without a mask and closer than six feet. For some, these habits have become more than simply a matter of safety. They have integrated themselves within the anxiety framework. And the thought of removing safeguards causes a trigger to occur. and anxiety goes through the roof and we have a panic attack or we don't go to church or there's a store Now I have no doubt that many of you are struggling to reintegrate into your normal routine that you had before the pandemic. In fact, things that had never caused you an issue before might all of a sudden bring about an anxiety attack and its sister illness, depression. I suppose this in some ways is like life in general. As we attempt to manage our illness and think we are finally in a reasonably good place, the world turns upside down and we feel as though we're falling backwards. Now, I've discussed management, Or the management portion of mental illness many times so today i would like to focus more on the second perhaps more serious problem we face with mental illness the second concern this mother faced had to do with returning to church now i would like to include some of her words because they help understand the issue from her perspective that we are now facing in a post-pandemic world what is perhaps her more difficult problem to affront is a membership that simply does not understand the illness and really is unwilling to listen to concerns about illnesses. And these are her words. I made simple suggestions for small things we could do that would make me feel a whole lot better. But most of the time, my suggestions were dismissed before they even finished leaving my mouth. When I was able to get my suggestions out, I was given a five-minute lecture on how my opinions and feelings are wrong. And I don't believe this is how a presidency supposed to work i felt as though i was stuck on the train tracks and could see a train coming anyone who could help me was just sitting on the sidelines yelling helpful things like getting hit by a train isn't that bad or why are you so hysterical i don't feel like i'm about to get hit by a train so the day came that we went back to church full time and unsurprisingly i had a panic attack 10 minutes into sacrament meeting now i am writing this to you while my family is at church without me This is painful for me as I have been active in the church my entire life. I'm terrified to go to church and scared for my kids' safety, and I am resentful of the people in my ward, including the bishopric, who blew me off when I was crying out for help. I'm also worried my kids will begin to feel that church is optional because of my example. Now, I have no doubt that many of you have felt the same way and experienced the same indifference and heartbreak as this wonderful woman. It is, unfortunately, not uncommon in the church to find such indifference to mental illness. Now, before I address this indifference and the people who cause it, I would like to include some of my own words in return to her, because I think they will be helpful. These are my words. Now to your concerns. Never condemn yourself for having to leave church for your illness. The Lord fully understands your illness and the difficulties, and as far as the Lord is concerned, you are as active as anyone else. Second consider yourself active, and continue to talk to your children as though you are. I had to leave church often for many years, Now my children knew that I was sick, and I took medication, and sometimes I just couldn't go, or when I did go, really stay at church. I have eight children overall, and four grown and married, and my past absence so far has not had any dire effect of inactivity for them. They are all very active. The Lord can truly make up the difference. Children can understand illness, and they do far better than adults most of the time. As far as the membership and their reactions to your illness and suggestions, unfortunately, this is more common than rare. With the politicizing of the vaccine and illnesses in general, and the level of disinformation, I would think that the reactions are not likely to change. Now, I add in here, of course, especially in Utah. Um, I do preach education on a regular basis, but even then, Most don't really care or don't want to listen unless they have a family member afflicted or are themselves afflicted in some way. I don't want to mislead you in any way that people can't be taught. It's just my experience that most individuals are less compassionate when it comes to mental illness. But don't stop trying to help them to see the light. It may not change your experience, but it just might change someone else's down the road. Now, understand that it is really difficult to do this. And so if you really don't want to talk to others about it, that is actually just fine as well. This is going to sound strange but be okay with who you are right now. You have an illness and that illness impedes you from going to church. Just do what you can and if you can get through sacrament and then you need to leave then so be it. I spent far too many years fe- feeling terrible for something that I should never have. You have not broken any commandments. You are not leaving church because of sin or lack of conversion. You are simply ill and that's a viable exception for the Lord. Whether the membership of the church sees that or not. The Lord does not see you as anything but a great member of the church. You sound very dedicated to the Lord and his church and very converted, and that will translate into your children. You don't need to worry about them being there with you, without you. I promise that they will understand. Just let them know that mom is ill, and when mom gets better, she will be going to church more regularly, but that you are and consider yourself an active member of the church and love the Lord. Now, what is the answer? That's the end of my quote, by the way. So, what is the answer to this question of indifference from the ward? How, how do we approach this church problem? Well, first of all, let me say that it isn't a church problem. The church teaches correct principles and implores that its members seek Christ like attributes to be understanding, kind, and helpful to those who are suffering. Ideologically, this sister's problem should never have existed. The church and its doctrine are simply not the issue. The implementation of that that doctrine, however, is. And that takes us to its people. And this is where the heartache, hurt, and problems arise. I wish there were a far easier answer than I'm going to give. The answer to unkind, uncaring, irrational people is as it has always been. Patient, kindness, charity, virtue, and the entire list of charitable definitions found in Moroni 7 and in Doctrine and Covenants 121 and in the New Testament and also the four gospels. For many, that answer is, I admit, disheartening, and I know because I have been there often. I could talk about how to deal with the four definitions I have of leadership and how to make things work with various types of people we find in the gospel and to get your way. But in the end, if we desire charity, understanding, and kindness, we must model it. Being the example is probably not the answer anyone is looking to hear. It is the difficult path, the higher road that requires a climb. Dealing with a mental illness and then being asked to be the example seems like adding a 50-pound pack to somebody already crawling up a mountain. How do you even accomplish it when the management of the illness takes so much from you and you have so little to give? My answer is you just do your best, put one front in front of the other, and then you allow for the Savior to take that load. You are not going to get there by yourself. But here is my answer to this problem. The one thing I have found very common in the church, which I did not fully understand at first, is that most people are struggling, seriously struggling for self-identity and self-worth. Now, I don't mean just a little struggle. I mean leaving the church type of trouble. Even those who seem to have it all together, in the end, put up a wonderful glossy exterior but are really hollowed out in the middle. Most of the members you meet, you will meet in the church look fine on the outside but are suffering an identity crisis on the inside. They wonder if they are enough. They wonder about their testimony of the gospel. Many don't know where they stand with the Lord. They don't have a deep relationship with deity, even though on the exterior it might seem that they have seen the Lord personally. They pray, but are unsure how, exactly how to listen. Most of all, they worry that somebody might just see that person on the inside and just how small they feel and unsure of themselves they really are in the gospel. Many, many members have low self-esteem as part of their, as part of their identity crisis. This can cause them appear to be selfish, inward-focused, and haughty, when in reality they are simply scared you might just find out how weak their testimony really is. They don't feel entirely worthy. They don't feel entirely strong in their testimony. They have thoughts go through their heads that shouldn't be there. They feel lost as leaders, many times without hope and direction. And we have a tradition in the church that the leader is the strong one of the group, the one who knows where to go and how to get there, the one who hears the revelation. However, in most cases, from stake president on down, many leaders feel as though they are failing. They struggle to obtain revelation. They worry that they don't know the doctrine well enough. They don't know the savior well enough and they really aren't the person that should be the leader. And so this inner struggle often comes out as indifference and unable to process those difficult problems requiring complex solutions. They stick to what they've seen and know so that they appear to be doing a great job, but feel entirely lost at times. They will pattern themselves after what they know and what they've seen in their parents and their other adult leaders who may have had similar issues What you find is that they appear to be a mature spiritual adult on the outside, but really just a child on the inside, struggling for just basic love, understanding, and feeling loved by the Savior. Now, given this understanding, I have over the last several years approached almost every member of the gospel as though they feel inferior and are struggling with their testimony seriously. Meaning I approach it with compassion, trying to understand who they are, why, the do, why they do the things they do, and to model Christ-like attributes. If the minds of everyone were open today and we could see inside of each of us, I think that we would, we would simply have far more compassion, concern, and love as we would see just how deeply the members of the bishopric are struggling or the Relief Society or the Young Women's or even Primary. I know that we hide our struggles, our doubts, our disbelief, our sins, our daily troubles. We put on our Sunday best, and that isn't just the clothing. We go to church, demonstrate just how well we are doing, then we go home and change out of that persona and back to our worries, concerns, doubts, and fears. I think it may surprise you just how many people in your own wards are struggling to the point that they don't believe that, they're, that they truly belong. And are just hoping that if they stick it out long enough, someone else's virtue might rub off on them. My answer to your question <clears throat> is to see their struggle and ask the Lord to help you see it. When you see just how much your brothers and sisters are struggling and how weak they feel in their positions of trust, I believe that compassion will fill your heart. I know because I know of your struggle with mental illness and that it has taught you to be compassionate and loving to those who suffer. I am not expecting this particular answer to be easy, and that is why I've had difficulty writing it. I have personally failed regularly trying to implement it in my own life. The answer is going to require that you have a good relationship with the Savior and the Father and an ability to discern the struggles of others for purposes of helping them along the path of the Savior. Many times you will find that you will need to help them build a deeper relationship with deity by telling them of your own struggles and how the Lord has intervened in your own life. You will often have to help them to be a better leader by modeling charity, kindness, and understanding. Now I hope what I have said today is helpful to you. I know that my answer is not easy to implement and seeing others in their weaknesses and working with them might seem above your own abilities, but I can tell you that it isn't because you who suffer because you who suffer face one of the greatest tests the Lord can give on this earth, mental illness. And he doesn't give great tests to weak people. Now may the Lord be with you as you go forth to help those around you. Talk to you next week where our subject will be about love, both physical and spiritual. Until then.